Okay, welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. I I almost said podcast. That might fit as well. But um, it's been three games since we last spoke to you. And we'll we'll mention the previous two. But what we're going to focus on here is the game against Sevilla. And uh, that is the game that we won comfortably 4-0. We're going to go to uh, Bernard first. Uh, Bernard, let's talk about the lineup a little bit because there were a few strange names in there that people weren't used to. What did you, what did you observe about that? And did yeah, you- I only got, I only got, um, I only got seven for this one, so I was way down on my prediction. But of course, Kanji and Gomez were the were the big, the big ones, weren't they? And I think I think Pep knew something about Seville we didn't know before this game. I, I think they have been struggling. We know they've been struggling. I think he's probably watched them a couple of times. And I think Pep doesn't doesn't like to, I wouldn't say take chances, but this was quite unlike Pep, unlike Pep to pick this sort of team uh, for the first first game in the Champions League. But I think he knew something we didn't. And he knew Kanji's capabilities. He knew Gomez's capabilities. And I think he picked a team that he thought would beat Seville, who, to be quite honest with you, are not doing very well at the moment. I think I think he, we struck a little bit lucky with this one. Ray, let's uh, just take a look at the lineup. So, uh, typically, Ederson and Cancelo and uh, Gomez on the left, Ruben Diaz and Akanji in the middle, uh, De Bruyne, Rodri and Bernardo in the midfield. Grealish was the other uh, surprise. Some people felt Holland in the middle, and Foden on the left. Now, if you could just uh, tell us your thoughts, Ray, and also, could you just tell us a little bit about how surprised you were about this Akanji signing? Because not a lot of people saw that coming. No, I don't think anybody did, Mike. Uh, hi, happy birthday as well. well. We'll talk about your birthday later. Uh, for yesterday. <laughs> Akanji. Akanji's come from Dortmund for about, was it 15, 18 million pounds? Um, that was kind of, yeah, it felt left field, but it felt Right. You know, we, we're in a situation where we start the season with uh, Cancelo's been injured for, for a while. Um, I think he's had an operation, so he's going to be out, I think, until at least uh, possibly late October. Um, so we've, we've had Stones uh, not really up, up for it. <laughs> I don't think Aki was out and I think he's back now. Um, so you're left really with Ruben Diaz and you know if you say Stones is fully fit now Stones and Ruben Diaz so it's a risk you know you lose somebody else you know you've got no um, Laporte for another let's say six weeks it's a huge risk um, because then you're bringing in kids Kanji he's um, obviously played for Dortmund I think he's played um, a little bit in the Champions League so He's, uh, he's obviously played at a good level. He, he said he spoke to Mr. Haaland uh, before uh, signing, but really, when City come knocking on your door, um, you know you're not gonna uh, really at his age. He's what his late twenties now, twenty seven. Swiss international. He's not gonna turn us down, you know. Um, and uh, I'm just having a look at his record: five seasons in the Bundesliga uh, for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, as I said, played at a decent level. He's played uh, twenty odd games in Europe, probably mostly all all in the Champions League. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, it looks like a good, solid uh, signing. You know, I don't think he's a. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not going to give him do him a disservice and say he's nothing special. But 
he's not a name that you know anybody would have I think thought about too much about this this Kanji fella. So um, I think when everybody's fit, he's going to be fifth choice probably. Um, but I think, like I said uh, in the past to you guys, I want numbers. I want um, extra bodies because it's a long, hard season, and uh, you know, that World Cup's going to come up soon. Um, we need the, those bodies. We, we definitely need those bodies. Walker's injured as well, so. Obviously, that's uh, why Conchello was on the right and I think Gorm was on the left. Um, so, you know, it's we, we've looked at a couple of weeks ago, we looked at one of the lineups and the only seen, senior player on the bench was Ilkay Gunduan and the rest of them were kids. So it's, it's good that we, we get, as I said, some reasonably experienced bodies um, into the squad. Uh, Bernard, did that did that signing uh, surprise you as it did me? Yeah, we're bound to, isn't it? I mean, I've never even heard of the guy. I have no idea. I don't follow Dortmund at all. And uh, but as you, as we've said on here, as I say, before the transfer deadline, we were, the, the squad was looking a little bit thin. It just, we were just a couple of injuries away from from disaster, and we were only literally at the time when we we're talking about it. We we're only three or four games in, so this is ideal. And this is this this is you know he's got the experience, and he's not our normal type of signing. But we've realised we've got a problem, and for once we used a bit of common sense in in this uh, purchase and got a Kanji in, and to some extent Gomez as well. Uh, Ray, uh, just looking at the Sevilla lineup, um, I just like to focus on uh, three uh, kind of familiar names. We had Bono from U2 in the goal, and uh, <laughs> we had Jesus Navas, who uh, apparently is doing very well since he left us. And also, finally, up front, we have Isco, and I'm surprised we didn't sign him because we always we always do. <laughs> what did you think, Ray? Yeah, look, I mean, look, Jesus Navas must be about thirty. Five years old, if if not older, um, you know. Um, I'm just trying to remember. He's left. He left us about after one season um, when Pep was here. So he he stayed one season. Pep played him. I think he ended the season as um, um, where did he play? He played as a right back or a right wing back. So um, no, it's it's, it's good um, you know to see him doing so well uh, elsewhere. But as I said, he's knocking on a bit. Just checking his age now. He's thirty-six years old. He's going to be thirty-seven in November, so he's knocking on. But I think he, I think he did okay. Um, and uh, Isco, yeah, the less said about him, the better. You know, always linked with us uh, in a big money move, and uh, nothing ever happened. Uh, I think he was supposed to join us years and years ago, but he ended up going to uh, Real Madrid because we didn't sign the deal before he went off to whatever it was, the London. 21's World Cup or Euros, I think it was, and uh, he, whilst he was away, was persuaded to go to Real Madrid. If I remember correctly, I think he was uh, with Pellegrini, uh, one of his previous clubs. Um, but yeah, look, you know, on paper, much much stronger side and squad than uh, Sevilla. Yeah, Bernard, um, it seemed like um, they did have a little bit of a th- uh, threat because. They had Rakitic in there behind Isco, and they had um, uh, Janazai. You remember the the golden boy from Manchester <laughs> United a long time ago? Um, were you concerned? 
But he, what when he came on? Pro- probably not, mate. Not at that stage. No, I mean it was. It's it's a very old. I mean a lot of old players, as Ray was saying about the age of Navas. There, I mean got Fernando. Fernando as well. He's played a couple of games for him this season as well. So uh, it's a weird Seville team. I mean, if you think Sevilla team, as you think of what they've been doing over the years, I mean, they seem to have sort of gone really down. I mean, they did very well last season. Well, you know, they reached the quarterfinals of the Europa League, finished fourth in the league, did very well. I mean, you just can't see that, what we watched last night and the pace of the game, all right, it was quite hot, wasn't it? It was 29 degrees, pitch side 30 degrees. But that that was that was probably one of the poorest Sevilla teams we've seen in a long time. And they will, they will be struggling in that, uh, in that league this season, but say a lot of those players like Yanazai, as you said, and you know, age-wise, it, it seems to be that they haven't got that many great youngsters or youngsters coming through, which is unusual, I think, for Sevilla. Yeah, and uh, guys, of course, you'll you'll they they're managed by Lopetegui. You'll remember him, mm. the guy that uh, dumped his team to Absolutely. manage the national team, and uh, it didn't work out very well for him. Uh, Ray, I'm going to ask you a stupid question, and and um, and you're used to stupid and questions from me. Um, yeah. uh, some people were asking, what's the deal with the maroon shorts? Was that part of the... Um, what, what was that all about? You're better off asking Bernard about clothing. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> he, he's got the new shirt, so uh, I have no idea. Obviously, it, it's one of City's colours, isn't it, Bernard? You know, there's a few that we've got. One of them is maroon. We've had maroon shirts and shorts. Yeah, before. I remember there's some pictures of Niall Quinn knocking around when they wore it. Obviously, we wore it occasionally in the old 60s, 70s uh, era. Of course, we always had the maroon socks, maroon and white socks on the on uh, with the kit. But obviously, we did it occasionally because we used to have the maroon full kit as well. So you had a maroon shirt, maroon shorts, maroon socks at one stage. So obviously, they used to, if you played a team that wore white shorts, then obviously City would switch to the maroon. So obviously, it's, it's, there's a precedence for it. And uh, I thought some people liked it, some people didn't. I'm quite happy with it because I'm old school, obviously. I can remember the old days, so I quite liked it. But some people were a little bit uh, unsure. But uh, some people are saying it'd be nice to play United in, in the in the maroon shorts when we play them in, a, in three or four weeks' time. And Bernard's well, I, middle name is 1894. Let's go over to Ray for uh, a, a little sidebar, Ray. Now, let, I, I promise you guys, we're not going to talk about this for too long, but I did want to get the guys' uh, opinions on this because shock bomb horror, Chelsea sacked Thomas Tuchel. Now, that was a big surprise, um, maybe not for some other people, but Ray... How did you feel about that? Because he did win three trophies for them in 20 months. But I do remember Sid Lowe saying that this is not going to come to any good because Sid Lowe said right at the beginning that this guy has got an incendiary temper and he does tend to uh, rough things up with the uh, with the board and with the players and everything. Uh, uh, did you see that coming, Ray? Not so soon. I mean, I thought, obviously, with the Abramovich going, that the days of the quick-fire manager uh, might have gone at Chelsea. But, you know, I'm just looking through the notes. The the new owner's been there 100 days. Tuchel has been given his marching orders. Um, But I think he said it's the right time to bring in a new coach. But if if you're honest, that first season, when he, he came in partway through the season, 
and he won he won the Champions League. He, he got them into the top four. Um, did they, they were in, must have been in the final. Did they win the FA Cup as well? Um, yeah, so they were. They had uh, you know he had a he had a good time at Chelsea at the start, um, and actually last season I predicted that they'd win the league because the way they weren't giving goals up um, when when he came. I just thought, you know, I couldn't see people scoring too many goals against them. And something has, has gone wrong now. You know, last season, you know, they've, they've been buying duds. You know, uh, Timo Werner, um, he ha- hasn't been a success. They bought ZH, uh, hasn't been a success. And these are big money players. They bought, obviously, Lukaku, hasn't been a success, and others. So they spent a lot of money. For not a lot of success, and then you know this summer they, they bought Fafana for whatever seventy million. They got Cucurella for something like seventy odd million. They spent a ton of money, and they they're not they're not doing well at all. So um, obviously people are not, you know at the top are not happy with what's going on in the league. They're you know in sixth, which is okay. So only the start of the season, but they've already lost two games. You know, which isn't, I don't think is, is, is that good. I mean, you can argue they were a bit unlucky against Spurs. They should have beat Spurs um, and they should be sat on 12 points, but uh, which I think would have been slightly better for them. But obviously losing against, um, in, in, in the Champions League, you know, yesterday um, was terrible for them. And uh, I just think the way things, okay, it was Dinamo Zagreb, the way things have been going, this season, they just don't look the side they were you know, just 15 months ago. So, you know, new, you know, uh, hail the king, or the king is dead, but the, the new king is just the same. Um, and, um, you know, Tuchel hasn't lasted too long. I think he deserved a little bit more time. Um, I think he's earned that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how much more time do you give him? I, I would have given him, I think, the next three games, at least the window, not the window, sorry, the um, international break's coming up soon, isn't it? So I'd have given him the next three games where they're away at Fulham, home to Salzburg in the Champions League and at home to Liverpool. And I think if he hadn't won those games or won at least won the Fulham one, won the Salzburg and a draw against Liverpool, I'd have kept him going. And I think three more games would, was, was the right thing to do, but they're already in talks with... Um, uh, Graham Potter, Harry Potter, so, yeah, Graham, Harry Potter, Graham Potter. So I think I think he's going. I, I can't see Potter not going there. I just can't see it. So um, I, I think uh, he'll be the next manager. Uh, Bernard, it's weird at Chelsea, isn't it? I mean, we do enjoy when an opponent shoots themselves in the foot, but this guy has been like a kid in a sweet shop. He's he, he, a sweet shop. He's spent. 260 million brought in Obama Young, and um, were, were you as surprised as, as many others that it that it happened like that? No, it's quite depressing, isn't it? You know, he pretty didn't go a cup two and a half years ago, so we might have we might have a Champions League in the cupboard, might we? Because obviously, for that one season, he certainly had the hoodoo over Pep, didn't he? Uh, but you know, you, I just don't understand the logic uh, from from a. A run club point. I mean, we we laugh at how United have run, all right. They're having a bit of a purple patch at the moment. But Chelsea is exactly the same. How, how the hell do you give a manager two hundred and fifty million pounds to spend like that? 
and within six games he's out of the door. I, I just don't understand the logic of the, all right, these guys haven't been there that long. But, you know, I, for a moment I thought Abramovich is at it again and then I suddenly realised he's not well, no, he's not even there anymore. What am, I th- what am I thinking of? That was my first initial reaction. It's just ludicrous, you know, with all that money spent. All right, they had a year or two where they couldn't spend anything, couldn't they? They, they, they were sort of stopped from spending money, but... Uh, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's no way to run a club. I mean, I'm glad it doesn't bother me one iota. I'm not, you know, I, I hope Chelsea carry on being buffoons and making stupid decisions. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just beyond the pale that you can give a manager 250 million. But let's face it, when you look at who he bought, I mean, most of us who've apparently got less tactical knowledge than Tuchel wouldn't, wouldn't have gone near that for those players, you know, or probably all of those players that he added to the Chelsea squad because I don't, I don't think it added that much to it. And, uh, so yes, a weird decision, but uh, you know, all all the way around from from the top to the bottom. I think from two cool upwards, it was uh, he was making some weird decisions in this transfer window. Okay, Ray, let's get into it. Twenty minutes in, let's talk about um, Erling Holland and his telescopic legs, and <laughs> let's talk about the the burgeoning relationship between uh, KDB and uh, Holland. What did you reckon? Um, yeah, look, KDB is now figured. You know, everybody's realizing you put the ball in into the mix, and Harlem will be there. Um, you know, we, we we saw it in the league games, um, last two league games. You put the ball in the mix, Harlem just manages somehow to be in the right place at the right time. You know, we've seen, we've heard the pundits talk about it. he manages to find space where. You know, people are not expecting the ball to turn up. He's there. And the ball turns up there. Um, so, once again, I think KDB puts the, the ball in. Uh, it was just under 20 minutes on the clock. And who's there? Haaland, you know, all six foot, whatever of him. Is he six foot five or something? He's, he's massive. And those legs are, you know, <laughs> his legs are longer than my whole body. Um, and he just has that, you know... Ability, as I said, to be in the right place at the right time, and to make the adjustments necessary um, to to score the goals. And you know, um, he, he's he looks phenomenal talent. So I'm just looking forward to many more years of this. Yeah, two questions for Bernard. Uh, also, let me ask you also about this um, this thing that people are talking about. This special ability to be in the right place at the right time. And also a kind of controversial question to follow up for Bernard. Uh, It seems a little bit, some people have noticed that it seems a little bit like that when those looping crosses come across, Holland prefers to jump up in the air and side foot it in rather than uh, just nod it in like uh, most uh, other people would do. What, What do you reckon? Is there yeah, well, we, we, we commented on that, I think, in the Community Shield, where there was a great chance where we couldn't understand why he went for it with his with his uh, eight foot six legs as opposed opposed to his head, and it was the community. You know, that was the first game he, he played in a competitive sort of game, if you like. And he's doing the same thing. Is it? It's a bit odd. Uh, I've not watched him. I didn't watch him that much for Dortmund, whether he did score many headers. Ray might know a little bit better than me whether he's. Prolific header of the ball. He's a big lad. We know he scores goals with his head. He's already done it for us. But it is odd. He seems to me, and I remember saying that Community Shield game, that 
he looked as though he goes for the more spectacular sometimes. And I, I, that was my initial comment, I think, when I was looking back at that community shield, thinking back to what I said about it. And I think I think that I think the commentator I think commented on it last night with one thing. I'd actually missed that. I'd actually lost my stream for a couple of minutes. So I actually missed where he, he tried to get it with his foot, but then I saw a brief highlight of it. And it's it's interesting. Um, you know, we can't be churlish, can we? He's doing a wonderful job. He's he's done far better than we even I expected at the moment, he's doing far better than perhaps most of us expected. You know, I don't think any of us expects him to get off to this start. But, you know, sometimes he just likes to put it in with his, with his feet rather than his head. And it, it's odd, but hey, it, as long as he can score 12 in 10 or whatever it is now, whatever he's up Seven. to, uh, we'll take it. It's interesting, Ray, isn't it? Because I, I went on the BBC website and went round the leagues, you know, the German, Italian French leagues and looked at their top scorer list and they're all on about five obviously Holland is on 10 and obviously 12 with with the Champions League uh, goals uh, are you feeling that maybe this is the year that we could nail the Champions League um look we, we've got as good a chance this season as we, we I think in the last three seasons so I'm not gonna you know um Look at Erling Haaland as being the difference maker. He's going to score a ton of goals. There's no question about that. But if you think back to the second game of the season, was it Bournemouth? He didn't score a goal. We still won. So, you know, we, we can't expect him to be scoring goals every single time, uh, every single game. Um, so, you know, you know me, I still want to win that league. If we win the Champions League, it's, it's, it's great. But um, I don't think... Look, if we win it, people will say, I told you so. And I told you he'd be the difference. Look, we should have be won it when we lost against Chelsea. You know, we should have been in the final last season. So let's not think that we're not good enough and he's going to be just, he, just him's going to be the difference. We're still going to leave that big slice of luck. That big slice of luck is going to be the difference um, between us winning it and not. But hey, I'd rather have him on my side uh, than not. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Bernard, um, I just want to ask you this question that, that, that someone put to me. Um, Ederson didn't have an awful lot to do. And it was just like one wild shot from Gomez, I think, in the first half. And that was it. Um, where, would, where would Sevilla fit in the Premier League? Where, where would they be? And, and a lot of people were saying, well, you know, that was easy. It wasn't really a challenge. Um, what did you think of them and, and their, their challenge in this game? I think, as I said, I think I think that is an awful severe team at the moment. I don't, I don't, not really. Not. They lost the two centre halves, didn't they? In uh, in the close season, I think they got about uh, combined uh, about sixty million or something for both of their centre halves, and they brought in a couple of new centre backs for about a third of the price. So that's probably part of the problem. I'm not too sure. You know, they're, 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 but that's the only real major ins and outs. So basically, it's a similar team to last season. who did okay. They were fine. Say they got in the top four in the league, so they're not too bad a team. Um, interesting you should mention Edison then, because um, <laughs> I, I just despair sometimes that so they didn't give him much to do, but I can't. Was it was it Yanis? Was was it him? Was it him that was hiding behind him when he tried to throw the ball out and it hit him? Yeah, was it Yanis or something? I can't. I mean, I don't. How the hell is awareness? Edison's awareness. You think about that throw out, you know, two or three games ago where we got away. I thought we got away with it by by the rules of the law. We didn't. 
But you know, Sevilla there could probably got got a goal. All right, it was three nil at the time, but I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. If Edison's daft enough to try and throw a ball without checking who's behind him, but obviously if that player's within touching distance, I suppose in this day and age it's a foul. But it's just ridiculous. And I say Seville would have been back in it three one, but we probably would have beaten four or five one. It's not big because I thought they were awful. I thought Sevilla were just awful last night. I can't see him do much in La Liga. I can't see him, you know, they might compete with Copenhagen for that third spot to get in the Europa League, if that's still a thing they do. But, uh, no, they were, they were awful. But I just wanted to mention Edison because it just sort of disappointed me again last night. Is uh, There's something not quite right for me this so far this season with Edison. And whether it's a fallout from last season when he was getting a lot of stick from a lot of City fans, I'm not too sure whether he's read this and it's got to him psychologically, I'm not sure. But I'm a little, I'm just a little bit worried about Edison as well. But Sevilla, Sevilla are very disappointed at the moment. You know what could be the reason for this? Like his best supporter on Twitter, the account Bored Ederson, who was uh, one of our big uh, followers uh, and would regularly post photographs up Photographs up of Ederson doing nothing when City were up attacking. He seems to have disappeared off Twitter. Maybe that's the reason. I'm. That's just a. Yeah, there's, there's something wrong, mate. I, I, I can't answer it. I don't know Ederson myself, but I just, I just feel even when he comes to the, comes to the fans at the games at, at the Etihad. It's only been a couple of games this season, of course, but it doesn't look, it doesn't look the same guy to me. Some, there's something going on. I don't know what it is, and it's a bit of a worry. Well, let's go uh, to Ray. Ray, here's an interesting <clears throat> little question. Obviously, we had a few strikes at goal during the game, and we had um, free kicks from uh, KDB and a couple of swipes from the main men in uh, Cancelo and Rodri. Do you reckon, Ray, that um, Premier League players are becoming a little bit obsessed of putting the ball in what they call the postage stamp, the top, the top corner of the goal, and uh, they end up uh, putting it over or slamming into the woodwork. They're kind of like perfectionists, it seems. And Casey uh, did that a couple of times, and you were kind of thinking, there were other there were other parts of the goal. Yeah. The thing is, if you're going to shoot, you know, you've got to remember some of these goalkeepers are very, very good. You know, as football has um, evolved over the years, goal, you know, as people have evolved, the human race, you know, people are getting taller. So, you know, goalkeepers are getting taller, they're getting springier, they're working hard in the gym and training hard, and it's harder to beat them. It's as simple as that. You know, KDB had a shot saved where I think, you know, it, it looked like he would score when he was through on the keeper, and the uh, keeper just managed to get down and save it. I just think, you know, goalkeepers are bigger, and you're going to have to work harder um, to, to beat them, and, you know, if you get it right in the corner, you you got a good chance of beating the keeper. I wonder if you've seen this thing, Bernard, actually on YouTube. They've got this um, electronic goalkeeper and they had um, all the best strikers take a shot uh, at him. And um, he saved all of them. And uh, Messi, even Messi had to have half a dozen shots before he could beat this uh, this electronic goalkeeper. It would just automatically, you know, go exactly where they were uh, positioning it. But it's getting harder, isn't it? As Ray said, the goalkeeper's getting really, really uh, taller and they're practising this relentlessly. It's getting harder to score these kind of goals, isn't it? It probably is, unless they're shooting against Edison, I suppose, at the moment. <laughs> Just to be a little bit unfair, but yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, 
I was more in, I was more interested in this. Say you talk about the technology with that one. I was more interested in this new offside technology. Don't know if you're going to talk about it. Obviously, we used it a couple of times last night, didn't we, in the in the game? Although it wasn't really close enough to be that important. But it'd be interesting to see how that progresses as the thing sort of gets more and more. So as far as the as the technology side of it is, that I thought that was really interesting last night. Uh, I don't know if Ray saw it, but uh, yeah. show it in 3D where it's classed as offside. Yeah. It, it looks it looks pretty good, but uh, we'll see how that progresses. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better than the lines anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Foden's goal for 2-0, um, Ray, because that was like just making a mug of of the defender. And it, 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 I'm not sure that uh, Phil meant to make the guy look like a fool, a damn fool, but he certainly did, didn't he? <laughs> you sound like B.A. Barakas from the A-team. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, look, look, Foden did well. you got to give him credit. Um, jinking inside the box um, and yeah, the keeper, I think he put the ball through his legs uh, goalkeeper unsighted and um, um, you know right in the corner so I think that that pretty much that was uh, in the second half that sealed or oh, whatever it was sorry I'm losing my timings but it's it kind of sealed the game yeah yeah so it, it kind of sealed the game I think we were at that stage well on top we'd had two or three other Decent chances. I think KDB had, had a couple of shots, and we had a, f- a few of the moments as well. Um, and it kind of just felt it was just a matter of time before we got a second and a third. Um, but it was a nice finish from Ford, and you know he took some, I think, some unfavourable criticism of late from some City fans, some high-profile City fans. Even I think Presswich Blues was asking him to be hoiked at half-time in the last game. Um, but I still think Foden's a cracking player. You know, you're not going to get it right every time. But I think more often than not, he puts in decent performances. Um, he might have dropped off a, a notch or two, but he's still playing, at, I think, at a reasonable level. And that, that goal hopefully will give him the confidence um, to carry on doing the same. Bernard, what do you think about this goal? Because it kind of reminds you of the kind of goal that, you know, when you used to play football in high school, and the best player would would would, would be kind of like showboating and uh, trying to do something like that. I mean, that's how it felt. Uh, it was a it was um, very very embarrassing for their defence. A, a lovely goal. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got probably three, four, five players who can do that sort of thing that can do that little jink. And as you say, the goalkeeper really because you you sort of defenders are turned inside out. He only hasn't got a real a good good view of it. So as long as you get it on target and it sort of goes in the right direction, you're going to score a goal. But you think Bernardo can do something like that? Uh, you know, he, he's certainly capable. Uh, Mares could probably do something like that. If he's in front of a goal, he'll try and take loads on and do it. Sterling, Sterling used to try and do things like that, but probably yeah, fluffed it by the end. But he certainly turned defenders inside out. But... Yeah, it's just a crack. It's good because Foden's been getting a bit of stick, hasn't he? I think not. Not just obviously Ray mentioned Prestwich Blue having a bit of a not not a go at him, just just you know give him a rest or something like that. But and even Pep, even Pep sort of uh, commented, didn't he? That he, you know he's he's not been play, you know more or less he said he's not been playing well. But you know this this is he just has to work his way through it, and he certainly worked his way through it last night, and it was just. Uh, a, what we expect from Foden, we know he's got good close control and we know 
once you get on the edge of that box, we've got players who can terrorise defences and hopefully score more goals like that. Yeah, guys, let's go to the third goal. And this is a shot from Foden that was beaten out by the goalkeeper, but was scored by Holland. And uh, Ray, I was just thinking to myself, um, whether it would be Raheem Sterling or um, Gabriel Jesus, they wouldn't have, my opinion is they would not necessarily have been following up like that. And he is just, he's uh, Ray, he's not really interested in, necessarily scoring the spectacular goals the tap-ins are they're all good for Erling Haaland aren't they look I if you see every game the last few games I think in the last, at least the last three games I've seen Erling Haaland try to score a spectacular scissor kick uh, I think yeah last night he tried it twice so I think he does like the spectacular goals but he scored most of his goals or at least half of them in the six-yard box Yesterday, um, I think that second goal was just outside. It's about eight yards out, uh, or, you know. But it was Folden had a shot uh, from a, um, a pass from um, Haaland, I think. Folden had the shot. Goalkeeper pushed it out, and Haaland's there, right place, right time. No one near him to tap it home. Uh, you know, he's got to be either the luckiest footballer in the world or the best footballer in the world to always be there in the right at the right moment the right time you know there's this ridiculous stats going about about how many times he touches the ball to score a goal and you know yeah it doesn't touch the ball that much you know that that tap in one touch his other goal one touch he's just doing it again and again and again um and you know I, I guess he looks sometimes you think he looks bored where He's not getting the passes and, and everything else. But he's scoring the goals and, you know, when he scores, he's really happy. So um, that is fantastic, as I said. You know, um, what a time to be a City fan with Haaland up top for you. Bernard, isn't it interesting that normally when they talk about strikers, they talk about um, goals per game or goals per minutes. But what, what I think is a new narrative is they're talking about Haaland's goals per touches and they seem to be obsessed about how many touches he has in the game he doesn't have very many uh but um the the like goals per touch ratio is astonishing isn't it yeah i mean other others uh, when you think of people like harry kane and stuff if he's not getting the service up for it he'll come back he'll come back won't he just try and create things himself Alan's not expected to do that and he doesn't do that that's that's not his, his, what he's there for i mean even you look at this xg stuff that we have i mean <laughs> they create xg just for harland on his own they don't have to do it for the team they can just create them for harland because he's a machine i mean Will this carry on? Uh, let, let's hope so. Uh, we, we know we might pick up the odd niggle and miss games, etc. But uh, he's sort for it. He's six foot five, but defenders don't see him. Defenders don't don't see him in the box. I mean, that tapping from Foden's shot. I mean, there was no there was no defender in sight of him. Did he not mark? Is he is he that is he that small and tiny that no one notices him? I mean, it's just amazing. I don't, or a defender's frightened of. Trying to challenge him, I'm not too sure, because if they start pulling his shirt or doing different things, it doesn't bother him because he'll just do it back and score a goal. It's uh, it's immense. I mean, you know, you sort of think, how long is this going to go on for? And hopefully it'll go on for a long, long time. And most people, is it in this FPL teams, is the most picked 
captain player, isn't he, in, in history? After you know, he took over from the Liverpool guy, didn't he? So he, he's, he's a machine. He's just a machine. He's doing everything we want of him, and, and long may it continue. Ray, um, I really wish Colin Savage were, were here because he would be able to, he would have the years on us to be able to back this up. But there, there, there's this repetitive narrative taking place on media about a player who knows where to be, who knows where to be. They keep repeating this. And I would argue, based on my research, that it's only really been Jimmy Greaves or perhaps Brian Clough before he got injured who was repetitively, I mean, metronomically in in the right area at the right time. I I haven't seen a player like that. Even Shearer, uh, as good as he was, he would, you know, a lot of his goals came from outside the box. Big um, game. What do you think? No, Hollander has that knack, as I said earlier, being in the right place at the right time. He 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 gravitates to where space is. Um, now we we've seen, I think it was on match today. They said he prefers that left hand channel. He, he prefers to be at the far post. Um, but he's he, and, and and when when people put the crosses in, that's where it been. You saw the one against a couple of games ago against Palace, where you know. The ball's at the um, at one side of the pitch. All the action's there, um, and it, it gets put across. Stones mishits it, and who's there at the far post, unmarked, to tap it in? Harland. And you know, not in a month of Sundays did you think that ball would get there because there were lots of bodies in the box. Um, you know, so I think it was Bernardo who put it in, put the cross in, and if he tried to put it again along the in a six yard line or something. There were so many bodies there that he would never get to Haaland. So he, he cuts it back. John Stones mishits it, and it goes to Haaland, who's standing at the far post, where, the only place where the space was. So, you know, he's he's got this knack. And, and um, you know, if, if you knew, anybody knew how to do that, it's instinct. It's not, I don't think it's something you think about. If you knew how to do it, you'd be scoring tons of goals too, because... You know, you you don't need to 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 be that fast or skillful to to, to be there for the tappings, and that's where he is. He's got that knack, and um, you know, as I said, I can't put you can't put your finger on it. You can't explain it. It's just a natural ability in my book. Twelve in ten, guys. Twelve in ten now for early Holland. I'm just going to go over to uh, Bernard to ask you this question because I think you've got the experience. Do you reckon Erling Haaland is now the match of Mick Quinn? <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw something on Twitter about Mick Quinn. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did see that. It was uh, quite funny, Michael. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be drawn on that one. I think he's got a bit to go yet to match Mick Quinn, to be honest with you. Haaland's played six league games, a one Champions League game. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Seven games, twelve and seven. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to count the Community Shield as a competitive game. So for me, no. he scored twelve and seven, and he's not finished those games. You know, he scored twelve goals in seven games, and he's if probably if you look at it, he's missed at least an hour, I reckon, of, of those games by being taken off early. Maybe an hour. No, so, there's, no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Last night he would have had another hat trick if he'd stayed on the pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
it, it's just it's a crazy it's a, it's a crazy thing because you know, if you look at you know in the minutes of those games he's played fewer than six games and he's got 12 goals fewer than six full games you know it, it's crazy 12 goals in let's let's say 540 minutes it's it's, it's mind boggling you know that's under 50 minutes per goal yeah, it's about 46, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, um, you know, Aguero was like 80-odd minutes or 90 minutes or whatever. I think that's in the Premier League. So it just it's just crazy. It absolutely is. Well, just just to um, uh, give you a bit of nuance on that, guys, uh, Mick, Mick Quinn was, um, was on uh, Twitter and saying, Erling Haaland hasn't beaten me because I got, you know, Erling Haaland got like... Um, when he got ten in six, he had actually equaled um, Mick Quinn's record. But what you don't know is that uh, Mick Quinn's goal-scoring exploits dropped off dramatically after um, those uh, initial uh, six games. So I don't think it's really uh, comparable. But what I want to ask uh, Bernard is that there's something that I've noticed that people are picking up on which is very gratifying, uh, Bernard, and that is that we're beginning to see uh, these titans like Rodri and Cancelo just swatting the ball from 20 or 30 yards out. They're striking the post. They're scoring quite regularly. That's very gratifying because as, 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 as lovely as it is for this metronomic, you know, goal tapping, it's really nice, isn't it? to have people that can strike the ball from 20 or 30 yards, and it looks like a goal a lot of the time. Oh, it's lovely. I'd love Rodri and Cancel to perhaps to uh, be a bit more better on defensive duties with people like Tottenham coming up and stuff like that. But uh, of course it is. I mean, people have been saying, have been slagging City off, saying, you know, we're only a Haaland injury away, injury away from total disaster. I mean, what a load of garbage. I mean, utter, utter rubbish. I mean, we'll create these chances and someone else has got a, not okay, not as prolific as Haaland, but someone else will put those chances away. We've been doing it for years. So, I mean, it's just stupid comments of, of stuff like that. And of course, other players have to chip in. I thought Cancelo was excellent last night against Seville. I thought it was one of his better games for a long time. But as I said, I'll be a bit more happier if he's a better defending coming this weekend with the Spurs game because we know we know what they're capable of. And I, you know, rather than being up front hitting hitting shots from thirty yards that might just go a little bit wide, I'd rather him back trying to clear the ball out of defence. But uh, yeah, of course, but we can score from all over the pitch, and that's what we've been doing for years with or without Haaland. Ray, does that please you to see these guys taking swipes? Because I, uh, you know, basically, you when you look back through your memory bank, you think of Alexander Kolarov, you think of Steve McKenzie, people that are willing to take a swipe uh, and score the 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 great goals. But does that please you, or do you think it's uh, an, another type of city uh, fan thinks that this is a bit of a waste of time and um, we should she's be more shooting from distance? Yeah. No, look, okay. Uh, here's the thing. Rodri scores that second goal against Villa in the last game of the last season from a distance of about 20-odd yards. You know, there's many different ways to score a goal. Um, and, you know, if you're always going to look for the tapping, you're just going to be one-dimensional. Um, 
shooting from distance. People have done it for, for ever since football was invented. Uh, and some, sometimes you score, sometimes you won't. As I said, it's, it's probably harder to score now uh, than it, from distance, but you're still there. And the best the thing is now, Ray, Ray and Mike, as well, if we're shooting from distance and hitting the target, there's a good chance it's going to be blocked or fall for that big island guy up the middle. So it's even even more important we shoot from distance now because hit the target and there's a good chance someone will pick up the rebounds and, and that guy's up top at the moment called Harland. Yeah. Well, let's stick with uh, Bernard here because uh, we thought it was going to be 3-0, but there was a gloss put on it. And that was uh, from a certain young man called um, Huben Diaz. I've been... Uh, I've actually been corrected on Twitter. Uh, they they pronounce his name Huben rather than Ruben. We don't care about that, but he's stuck stuck in the fourth. Uh, do you remember that one, um, Bernard? Because it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like the icing on the cake a little bit. Yeah, some great play from Cancelo, wasn't it, down the right? And it was just one of those cracking balls across the six-yard box that if Harlan had been on the pitch, it would have been his hat-trick or his fourth goal, depending what had happened before that. And Diaz has obviously been watching his big, the big centre forward in training, and uh, was up there to score. Was that his first? Was that his first Champions League? I don't can't remember now, mate. Ray will probably know. I don't know how many he scored in the Champions League. Diaz, but uh, a great tap in there, worthy of Haaland himself. Yeah, did you like that one, Ray? Yeah, look, it's it's nice, you know, and unusual to have. We we've seen it earlier in Pep's time at City to have defenders up there scoring goals. You know, John Stones being like an, an attacker sometimes scoring goals. We saw Otamendi. I remember Otamendi doing it. So um, no, it's absolutely lovely to have this. I think in the Champions League, um, boom, 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 I think that's his first goal for City. Um, I think I'm just trying to work it out. Europe, he's got only one goal for City in three seasons. He's got a couple for Benfica, but I think that's his first Champions League goal for City. <laughs> He'll not score an easier one, will he? Hey, Bernard, I bet you don't remember Nigel de Jong's goal for Man City. Mm, not a fan. Not a fan, <laughs> mate. I'm sure, I'm sure he does, but I mean, I don't particularly. Outside mm. the box. Guys, as we come to the end of the pod, let's um, uh, give a few comments on the the, the previous two uh, games. Now, I know, Ray, uh, we didn't do the actual pod on one of the games because I know that you were not enthusiastic about it. And in fact, uh, Bernard said that he wanted to do some therapy about it. But we, <laughs> did, we, we did have two games before this one. Guys, let's have let's have a few comments on the two previous games, starting off with uh, Bernard. Yeah, I mean, Forrest, I mean, we, we, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And absolutely stunning. And uh, obviously a first half uh, hat-trick for old old Harland, old uh, Nordic meets. You know, it was fantastic to, to do that. And then we sort of undone it all a little bit by going to Villa. And to be honest with you, we should be te- beating teams like Villa. Villa played very well. Um, me and Ray did a little thing on his channel for the for this Villa game. Overall, it was a little bit disappointing after this Forest game because at one 0 we should have gone on and won that game. And I, I just thought it was some good goalkeeping. Don't get me wrong, Martinez was excellent. He made at least two or three good saves from our Nordic man up front. Uh, but overall, uh, it was just again very disappointing to sort of it, all the good work we did against Forest. Um, 
They say we could have gone top of the league and we could have stayed top of the league because Arsenal didn't do very well in the game later on, didn't he, or the day after, whenever it was. So, yeah, it was it was after the Lord Mayor's show, unfortunately. We should we quite rightly beat Forest. That was a great game. So we beat one set of European champions and unfortunately we couldn't be, beat the next set of European champions in Aston Villa. And I, I think I was disappointed. I'm sure Ray will say he was disappointed as well. Ray, um, what do you remember? I, because you, you did that um, very nice uh, summary with Bernard on the Villa game. That's the game that I want to talk about just for 30 seconds or a, a, a minute. What went wrong, Ray, in that game? Um, the, I've always said the margins. Now, we work in the margins at City. The margin between being brilliant and a bit meh a very small, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're winning one nil, you have a, ch- a couple of good chances, you don't take it, and, and suddenly, you know, you let any other team back in the game. There was a bit of sloppiness in midfield. I think Rodri was guilty a couple of times. And when, when you do that, you're giving teams a bit of confidence, a bit of belief, a bit of thought, actually, we can get back into this game, you know, we can get at them. And, and so sloppiness. We had we had the chances to score a, a goal or two more. We didn't take them. You know, some good up, good moments. Um, and one nil is not a convincing scoreline. You know, you got to get that second goal to basically put the game to bed. Get the Villa players, you know, dispirited. But we 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 kept let kept them in the game, and we, as I said, made those mistakes. And give them these opportunities to feel a bit more positive about themselves. The goal, you know, barely slammed it home. Edison had no chance. He barely moved. Um, I think he just moved to show that he was he was actually alive because the ball was past him <laughs> in no time. Um, but you know, what's Cancelo doing again? Poor defending. You know, I, it, there was some poor defending involved. Um, you know, poor defensive play, but. Um, it was it was disappointing because Villa deserved nothing from that game, really. Yeah, they put effort in, but effort, you know, you know we, we, it shouldn't have been enough to get anything from that game. Villa having a terrible, terrible time this season, um, and without wanting to, you know, be uh, what's the right, what's the word, and um, feeling entitled to win games. I'm sorry, that was a game we should have won. Villa lost the last three games on the bounce. They've, they've got one win all season, um, and, and that's it. No, no draws or everything else. They'd lost. They'd let a lot of goals in. I'm sorry. We should we should have put them to the sword. Really, they're letting two goals, almost two goals a game. So we should really put them to the sword, and it's disappointing. Um, more so that Liverpool had already drawn earlier in the day. So we're you know we're still five points clear. We're still five points clear, but you know, as I said to Bernard at the weekend, if we were seven points clear, that just feels that's a sizable gap between City and Liverpool. And I still see Liverpool as our main uh, opponents, you know, main challenges for the title. But, Arsenal, uh, Ray crash bang wallop. Liverpool um, losing. Yeah, I know that. Uh, Napoli. I, I know that you know that, but uh, Bernard, one of the things that is extremely gratifying gratifying for me was there was a Liverpool group who came up. It wasn't the Anfield Rat, but a similar one. And uh, they uh, put up a tweet 
which I responded to, and they said that in their game against Napoli, which they're playing right now, that uh, they felt that uh, they they that this was the game where they could really um, experiment with uh, young uh, players. Um, at, this, at this moment, right now, um, uh, Bernard, what is the score at halftime between Napoli and Liverpool? Can you just um, help us out there? I haven't got a clue, mate. You'll have to sell me. I'm, I'm on holiday. I'm not listening. Well, I'm looking Ray, at Liverpool. Ray's <laughs> going to tell us. Napoli winning 3 0. They're winning 3 0 at half time, guys. Look, <laughs> no, no, no. Here we go. It should be more. Uh, Zelensky scored from a penalty. They had another penalty. Zelensky scored from the first penalty, but he didn't take the second one. It was Ossian. Um, and he had it saved by Alisson. Uh, but. Basically, they're ripping, they're ripping uh, Liverpool apart. Uh, Jonathan Woodkits, uh, you know, he he said it, 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 they deserve to be, you know, this this far behind. Um, it could really, it could have been more. Honestly, um, you know, I'm looking at some of the comments. This is from Jonathan Woodgate, Kravat uh, If that's his name. Kravatskhelia walks just walks past Alexander Arnold. Gomez isn't strong enough, and it's a tapping. It could be five, you know. Um, look, Napoli played well. Liverpool are really poor, and as I've said many times, when when you get the chance, you, you should be putting teams to the sword. So you know, if you look at Liverpool this season, they've not been that great. You know, they've had this. Um, that they've had their problems. You know, they scored that uh, was it a winner the other week in the ninety seventh minute or something. Um, they sit in seventh, and here's the thing: they, they've not been great, but they're only five points behind us after six games. It's early in the season, and you know, as I said before, it really should. We have been so much better than them this season, and five points ahead feels like a bit like an insult. Should at least be seven, and um, uh, you know, hopefully. Um, they've got that Chelsea game they've got in a few weeks will will be tough for them, but their problem is winning games. Um, if, you're, if you win two out of six, then you're going to be mid table. I mean, Bernard, holy crap, Pola, 3 0 down to Napoli at half time. And Napoli have got this new rising star. They call him, well, he, his name is difficult to pronounce, so they've shortened it to Kavara, K V A R A. He seems to be the star, but Liverpool are not the team that they were la- last season. I think that's 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 objective. I think that's not my opinion, Bernard. Um, it it looks really bad for for Jurgen at the moment, despite his shiny teeth. Oh, we're crying. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with Ray. I think they'll still be our closest challenges. It's disappointing. You just, you just know Liverpool will work something out. Obviously. They were 3-0 down in a European game many years ago, weren't they? And it uh, turned out all right for them. So perhaps this is another a miracle in wherever they're playing. This is, perhaps this is another one on the... A miracle in Naples or something like that on the cars. But, uh, yeah, they'll sort it out. I'm sure Klopp will sort it out. I think he's quite safe there. And uh, oh, no. I think they'll get, it, might get the players. Harvey Elliott's the next, um, the next super midfielder, isn't he? He's the guy now everyone's looking up to. So uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll be OK. Ray, I'm going to to say something controversial. I'm going to say that they are not going to be our challengers. I'm going to say, are you ready for this? It's going to be Man United. 
And uh, now, before you laugh into your beer, let me explain something to you. Okay. So we're talking about a team that has got now a quite solid defense, right? With Varane and the new guy, even though he's only five foot nine, he's obviously a scrapper. They've got Casemiro coming into midfield now. And uh, they've got Anthony, who's a cocky young kid from Ajax. I don't know, guys. I think that I think I think I think I can go with them. You've got a big echo there, Mike. Um, what do you think? Am I, am I being stupid? Yeah. Really? Uh, you know, if, if people could watch this uh, podcast uh, live, I, they'd see me showing you my hairy backside right now. Um, <laughs> no you know, look, look, look. look um, let's look at some of the They've had a couple of good results. Give them credit. Give them credit. But then beat Southampton, Southampton nothing special. Liverpool, and if we're honest, Liverpool aren't being that great this season. So they beat Liverpool, they beat Southampton, uh, they beat Leicester, Leicester near the bottom, and they beat Arsenal. And Arsenal, although they, they were top with five wins out of five games, you look at who they played, they hadn't played anybody decent. And I still don't think they played anybody decent. So... No, I, I think um, I don't see United being our challengers. I think they should just focus on trying to get into the top four. Yeah, I mean, there's always potential for that, mate, isn't there? But uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, they're all getting a bit giddy at the moment. But uh, let's worry about City. Let's get done and dusted. Let's get this uh, title in the bag by the uh, World Cup break. And uh, starting, starting with Spurs, of course, on Saturday. I'm going to ask the guys to finish it off now. Thank you very much, Bernard, for coming on. Yeah, no problem, mate. Great to speak to you. See you again soon. Fantastic. Ray, thank you very much for coming on. See you soon, Mike. All right, guys, let's finish it off here. We hope you enjoy it. So, uh, guys, we'll finish off in the normal way by saying have one on us and up the blues. Up the blues.